Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. All right, welcome to episode seven, Growing Up Fire. I got the whole Coots clan here with me today. We're sitting down at the Slave Lake Airport, just having a quick chill after Christmas, and everybody's ready to talk. They're so excited. You, you wouldn't uh, believe if you could see their faces right now, how excited <laughs> they are to talk about uh, their dad's podcast. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for all the support up till now. It's been awesome. We just thought we'd go in a direction today where we talk about everyone in the family, getting lots of feedback on social media about how does your wife feel about that? What do girlfriends feel about that? How do kids feel about that? And so thanks for that. And now I guess we're going to find out. So we'll crack open the Freud books and do a deep dive into my kid's psyche, why they're so messed up today because of my job and stuff. So appreciate those comments. Keep them coming and uh, we'll keep these episodes rolling. So fire family, Kirsten, you and I, we were together. I said, uh, I was just saying earlier, the only thing that I did longer than stay alive and uh, be married to you in the fire department, right? In that order. So I've been alive, I've been with Kirsten, and now I've been a firefighter in my three longest things. So we've been together since we were kids in high school. You've had to go through all of this from my very first firefighting days. Yikes, I don't want to talk about that too much, all the way till today. So what do you, what do you think? Oh, it's good. I, yeah, I wouldn't change any of it ever, but being left behind a few times, it's part of the run, I guess. You, would, you wouldn't change any of it ever? <laughs> <laughs> this is really recording. This is a real thing. This is not me faking it with my lapel mic. This well, <laughs> being left at a grocery store or maybe in a restaurant when I just got our meals, I might change, but I wouldn't change the fire department. No, it is. I mean, it's a, it's another family, right? This is our family, and uh, we add to that all the time. And and then we got the fire family, right? And we've been through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of firefighters. And now it's spread out across the country, which is super cool. Right, Sarah, what's your earliest memories of being part of a fire family? Probably just being part of, like, the, the people who were always at the hall. I mean, I never really had a choice to be there, and I think that I was there quite often. But... The guys and the people who were there never made me feel unwelcome, and they always kept me busy. They always came and changed my tires when I blew them on the side of the highway. <laughs> they, the old McKnight. So. Shout out to the McKnight. <laughs> no, yeah. It was, I think, just like being there and being around all of that kind of atmosphere really put a perspective on your guys' career from a young age. So that's probably it for me. Right on. Ryan, everyone already knows how you feel about this. You cried on episode two, I remember. Yeah, I was going to say, mine's definitely, I think, probably Vermilion sitting on the hill with mom, which she would probably know more about than you would even. And, you know, some of those things that I said before, the smokehouse and fire prevention week when we actually got to be there all week, it seemed like, and some of those things. So the one thing I will definitely say based on what you talked to mom about is I think it was nice. It definitely kind of let me slide under the radar when I started because she already knew what to expect. So instead of being mad about me leaving things and being worried about me, she could only be worried about me and not be mad that I'm leaving things because she was kind of used to it already. So I think the trail <laughs> for, you, away for me a little bit for sure there. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I think back and it, this is a big risk to have all of you on the show at once. This could really go <laughs> wrong for me, but we did. I mean, I had to leave I guess I didn't have to, but that's the job, right? I left many, many times. I, I don't think I missed too many anniversaries, birthdays, or, you know, the super important stuff. 
Uh, but I definitely, if I had to leave Christmas Day, definitely had to do some some crazy stuff to go out there and do the job, right? But it turned out okay. We all made it through. I'm sure there's some uh, emotional baggage we'll get through as we rip through this stuff, but it's all good. <laughs> you know, for us, Kirsten, we we were dating, right? So, you know, you're dating me, but you're also dating the fire department and everybody on there. You got to get used to that, uh, the Christmas parties and the, and the different events we used to have back in the day. And, uh, you know, what, what was some of that like? What was it like having 24 other people's comments on everything we did? You know what? It was good. Like Sarah said, you you just kind of got used to being part of the fire department and they really were a family. And the spouses right from the very beginning, when you were new, they just took you under your wing and they helped you out and they told you what to expect. And like I said, right from the very beginning, you just felt a part of it. As soon as you joined, it didn't matter if they knew you or not, you were part of the family. And it just continued on. And it has been like that forever. Like, yeah. One of my favorite stories you tell, and this is not from that far or long ago, was the night that we got the trailer fire in the Southwest and Patrick was out with Stacy. So take it from there. Yeah. So there's several of us women who still have a group chat on uh, our cell phones anyway. And yeah, we, I don't know what, there was a call and Jamie and I decided we were driving around. So we stopped at this call and I got to watch all of it happen firsthand while this trailer fire went. But Patrick came up to me in the truck and said, oh my God, I had to leave Stacy and she's at Mr. Mike's. It's our anniversary. <laughs> so, uh, Ooh, Patrick. Yeah, Ooh, that's Patrick. a bad move. I text Stacy right away and it turned out that Adam and Miranda's daughter was doing piano lessons right around the corner. So I walked down and got whichever daughter it was. I can't even remember if it was Brooklyn or Ivley, but, you know, helped them get her, walked them over to Adam or to Miranda so that she could take her home. And Melissa ended up going to Mr. Mike's and having supper with Stacy because Patrick's supper had just arrived. And yeah, so we had this big group chat and, you know, you just supported each other with whatever you had to do, even when it came to stuff like that, right? So you just kept texting back and forth and making sure everybody was okay and letting them know how long it was going to be. And I said, looks like it's going to be a while. You should probably find somebody to have supper with you. It, it, was, a, it was kind of like... The most chaotic call I can remember, which sounds funny because we did Slave Lake and Fort McMurray and I level and all these big, crazy things. But we were just driving around, like you said, and I was a fire chief. So there's a call. We'll go check it out. Right. And really, the firefighters were killing it. I, there wasn't much for me to do. It was snowing. There was lots of captains, lots of officers, lots of firefighters. And uh, we're putting out this trailer fire. And in the meantime, the camera guys were all there. So we're filming Hellfire Heroes. So they're running around. That's chaos. And then Kirsten's there with me. So she starts telling me about Patrick's wife and Adam's kid. And so there's that level of chaos. And I have like, you know, you should really be focused on this fire as the fire chief. Luckily, everyone was just killing it that day. And I didn't really have to focus on that because I had all these... I'm thinking of all these firefighters' lives and how it's it was kind of the first crashing time that it all came down on me. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, we just blew up 20 people's lives to be here and, and do this thing, right? Then the TV guys are asking us questions and trying to interview us. And it was like, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> I could fire chief okay, but all this other stuff was getting to be a bit much. So that was kind of a, a cool story that stuck with me. Okay, so um, 1991, I started. I'm a firefighter. We go along. A few years later, we decided to get married. And a bunch of firefighters are at that. Then we decide <laughs> to have kids. And a bunch of firefighters' wives are all involved in helping us with all of that and getting through that. And then these two wonderful kids arrive. 
right? And and we're rolling. <laughs> so uh, now it's you, you kids. You're on on the hook now. So at a young age, what are some of the things that you remember us? you know, missing or having to do or Sarah, you had a great one. You, you start. <laughs> I don't think anyone beats your, your field trip. So I think it was grade three. If I'm correct, we had like a field trip kind of out in the boreal forest. So we're like, probably, I don't know, what would you say? Like 25 minutes away from town in the bush, like, <laughs> and my dad came with me on the field trip. So we're just walking through, you know, like looking at trees or whatever we were doing. And uh, all of a sudden I turn around and my dad's like booking it the other way. Like, so I'm like, what's he doing? You know, like, all right, he'll come back, like whatever. And so all of a sudden, like two minutes later, he's booking it towards me, like as fast as he can. And I just happen to see him coming back and he's like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and uh, so I start running with him. He's grabbing my arm and we're, I'm running as fast as I can. Like, shit, I was only probably nine. <laughs> and then... Uh, we got in the car and drove all the way back to town as fast as we could, and we got to a call that was my grandpa actually fell off the roof. So that was like the first call that I got to sit at, and my dad told me not to leave the truck, and I did not leave the truck. <laughs> but again, like fire firefighters came up to the truck, and they were like, oh, are you okay? I dropped my little toy car out of the truck, and one of the guys stopped and picked it up and gave it to me because I wouldn't get out to get it. <laughs> So for me, that was like one of the biggest memories is we left the field trip and it was also like one of the first calls that I got to see. So it was pretty cool to see it all, but it was also like devastating. I missed my field trip. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? So we were at Devonshire Beach. It was only like seven kilometers. Okay. Okay. I thought it Yeah, it's like an all day trip, but yeah, it's one of those, we go through life and you know, you watch movies and you watch TV and people tell them, hey, be quiet and stay here. And then to make it a TV show, they never do, right? They always, but you were a champ that day. Yeah, like your aunt really <laughs> came up to the window and said, Sarah, come with me. And you're like, I'm not going. My dad said no. Well, you taught me one good thing, I guess. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah, I know in the horror movies, when you guys are there and someone says, be quiet, you're, you'll survive because you'll be the ones that are quiet. Everyone else will be screaming and crying and... So, uh, yeah, that was a rough day for sure. I think while we were coming into town, I phoned Kirsten and said, uh, your dad's been in an accident, get over to the house. Or maybe you phoned me. Maybe that's how I found out. And so, yeah, I went flying because I went straight from, hey, these are cool bugs to got to do my <laughs> job. <laughs> and then uh, about a quarter of the way to the truck, I was like, bah! but I brought Sarah with me and it's her grandpa. So I ran back. Got, and you, if you think your face was funny, Sarah, I'll remember your teacher's face till the day I die. No. <laughs> I never even thought that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we grabbed you and uh, took off to town. And definitely one of those calls that's up there in the top 10 for miserable things to have to do as a firefighter. Kirsten's dad had fallen off the roof and her mom's there and she's there and the whole family started coming. And he was bad. He had kind of three shoulders, two where they were supposed to be and one where it wasn't. And he had a fractured... Uh, femur and all kinds of bad stuff but the call actually came together pretty awesome a bunch of our friends from the hack program with forestry we called them they they saw us flying and called and so they come over and helped us we had a truck there in just a few minutes ambulance got there like it was uh as far as survival rates go i think that we did a good job that day and he did survive by the way <laughs> and so uh you know that kind of carried on so sarah goes from this field trip to this 
kind of wicked emerge call to the hospital to straight to Edmonton where we stayed for a few days until your dad was kind of feeling better. And so not only did you miss your field trip, you missed the rest of that week in school. <laughs> Ryan got pulled out of school. Then. I was going to say, I just remember being pissed off because everyone seemed like they were on scene and I was still at school. I got picked up like two hours later. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. You were kind of like, we're a quarter away to Edmonton. Yeah. Like, we're forgetting something. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, definitely a field trip uh, gone sideways. I, I'll throw one out there. I remember we were going on a summer hockey trip, so it was springtime, 2008, and we're headed to one of Ryan's many, 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 hey, Sarah, mm -hmm. hockey tournaments <laughs> in Calgary, and we got to Edmonton, and I get this call that a fire is kind of blown up by Bruce Turnbull's place, and it's looking bad, and it's racing towards town. And so uh, I left you guys on the front yard of our friend Carrie and Clay's place <laughs> and uh, took off back to Slave Lake to do what I do and said, you guys just carry on. I'll try to get there. I was coaching back then. So I said, I'll try to get there and, and see how it goes. So I drove all the way back to Slave Lake. And of course, by then they pretty well had it handled and uh, talked to some firefighters and then met up with you guys back in Calgary. Pretty sure uh, Vinji's picked us up and... Right, that's Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, I think we even had to ride in, two different, in two different vehicles because <laughs> yeah. there was three of us. Yeah. So what happens when your friends all have huge families? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we fit one in here and one over there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, that goes back to that family thing, right? So you know, you got your regular family, your your fire family, your hockey family. We talk about it all the time, and uh, people have a look. But uh, Ryan, can you remember any real? I think mine always were trying to get in on the action was my biggest thing. I never, you know, I'd always remember being pissed off when I was like a super young, you'd leave and I wasn't mad that you were gone, but you're mad that I couldn't come with you, which made no sense to anyone. And I remember like, I can't even remember what my first actual call when I was with you and I got to like sit there. But I remember as a kid, always trying to up my odds of, you know, I'd always want to drive with you and I'd always want to just to try and up my odds to maybe have a chance to go and sit there and watch things. I just broke in oh, from really? a very you just young age. me a little but... bit. I always, I always thought you disliked me better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Wow. So, Where's that page in the Floyd book here? <laughs> yeah, I just remember always trying to pick your truck to go in. And like I said, I honestly can't even remember the first call I probably got to go on and watch. But there was lots probably throughout the years where I got to sit there and watch the first five minutes, which is always the best anyways, until mom got there to pick me up or until somebody else would give me a ride home or whatever. So yeah, you did get to roll to lots of calls. That's for sure. More than you should have, but we don't work there anymore, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, six years old. Do you want me to run the sirens? Yeah. Shut up and sit there. What are you talking <laughs> <about>? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Quit sticking your head out the window and screaming <laughs> like a dead cat there. <laughs> we got a siren for that. No, it was good. Um, yeah, you definitely got to watch this stuff. But like I said, you both as kids, I will give you full props. You know, if I said sit there and shut up, you definitely knew how to sit there and shut up. And if I said stay in the truck, you could stay in the truck. And that's why you were allowed to go to places and see yeah. things and, and do things that other kids weren't allowed to. So now your mom. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. <laughs> if I'm missing after episode seven, somebody look for my body close to the airport. At the <laughs> <laughs> No, so it was good. Lots, lots of things like that. Kirsten, how about you? Does that refresh any memories for you having to? Well, you know, I remember us having to race home lots of times for things after the 2011 wildfire when it started flooding. The U of A trip. The, yeah. yeah, we were in Edmonton 
trying to have a break and one of our friends was at the university hospital. So we stopped to visit and I think actually Ryan might've had a, it was a surgery consult for my shoulder. Yeah. And uh, so you guys were at the consult and Sarah and I were at the U of A visiting and all of a sudden you came in and said, we got to go. And I, you know, I remember leaving and driving home very fast. Not, not that fast. I, mm-hmm. I was pretty fast. So I was getting, so one of the things I remember about that trip, though, is on the Mournville double highway, oh, no. um, getting pulled, like uh, RCMP pulling us over and you getting out of the vehicle and running to his car before he even had a chance to open the door and all I could think of is, oh my God, he's going to get shot. You're not supposed to get out when somebody stops you. And Good thing I wasn't a canine unit. Exactly. Well, that's the difference between being a firefighter and not. I knew it was one, a peace officer. So two, I couldn't get shot because they don't have guns. Right. And three, that they would be more open to me saying, can you effing believe Slave Lake's flooding now? I got to go. I'm the fire chief. And he was. Yeah. I, I hope that that guy was like, hears this somehow because he was awesome that day he's just like go man go <laughs> we jump back in the truck i remember and, uh, us stopping so fast he almost rear-ended us because like he you literally laid on the binders and i think there was smoke coming out of all the brakes and like pulled over and he was like just speeding up i remember him being like right behind us like what the hell is this guy doing yeah and and i guess i mean just lucky enough that probably saw me on the news because it was really close after the and uh, yeah didn't start yelling get down on the ground <laughs> any of those things and then the rest of the way home it was good the, we called ahead to the westlock fire chief and he kind of cleared the highway and told the police what were happening and, and then we were f- trying to find a red light and so he didn't have one he could give us but then we stopped flatbush flat yeah had a red light that lasted for about 15 minutes till the wind blew it off blew it off the roof while we were flying down the it, it was windy that day it was nothing to do with the speed oh, just, thank you <laughs> there. um yeah, I mean, we got home in uh, an hour and 35 minutes, so I guess we would have been going at a decent clip trying to get there, but those are the things. I mean, that was our life, and when you put it through, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the pieces together, we still had lots of good times. We had lots of good kids' Christmas parties. We had lots of uh, fun. You talked about the open houses, going down there on a Saturday afternoon, although you were tricked into slave labor and helping me wash trucks and floors and stuff like that. I clean my car really good now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a champion. Eh? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, at the time, to be fair, you didn't know that you were being used as slave labor, child mm-hmm. labor, so... <laughs> Loved every minute just, of it. Yeah, we'd just go down there, right? And then we, as you got older, it was funny because Ryan would want to go more and you would roll your eyes, Sarah, a lot more. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, let's stop at the <laughs> fire hall and be like big eye roll. And, but you'd still come. You'd still champ up and come. And you weren't rolling your eyes any more than your mom. Yeah. Was, <laughs> like, oh, another Sunday afternoon at the fire hall. This couldn't be better. Not. But uh, it, it was good. I, like, again, I don't think we missed huge events. We missed things that happen i mean we also knew more and got to be part of more than lots of people in the community right so what was that like i i wanted, always wanted to kind of know this what was it like being the fire chief's kids i'll start with that because <laughs> i hated it Uh-oh. i hated it i felt like everybody else was looking at me and i was the fire chief's daughter and i felt like that was like hard to do because I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do, but everybody else was watching me, so I didn't always get away with it. It you, was you never uh, yeah, for the record. Ever. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, <laughs> it was it was hard. It was tough. Definitely, a lot more eyes are on you. I would think, and for me, like I I was growing up fire, but boy, would you be wrong if you told me that I was going to be in this industry. So. 
I hated it even more because of that, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, well, for me, it was day. a We're tough one. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. How about you, Goots? Yeah, I think probably the biggest, like, to me, I loved it. So it wasn't, right? I would sit there and talk about, still to this day, people are like, do you ever stop talking about work? <laughs> but it's not work to me. I love what I do. And it's definitely a passion and a hobby also. But uh, I think the biggest one was just like constantly getting asked questions, right? Like I wouldn't even hear about it or talk to you yet. And people are like, oh, well, I heard this is happening. I'd be like, well, I didn't hear anything. Uh, just because I don't have a GPS track around my dad, I don't, right? Um, <laughs> and good, still, good to to this, still to this day, you know. Um, that is true, yeah. I live with someone who will remain unnamed who always needs to know what's going on and she'll text me in the middle of the day and hey what's going on here and just I have those friends still to this day that just always need to know what's happening in small towns their whole family's been born and raised here and nothing can go without them knowing kind of thing and yeah I still get those texts all the time and it was the exact same in high school and Lots of the time I'd be like, oh, well, that's cool. I guess I'll hear about it later, but I have no idea what you're talking about right now, right? You go to a bad accident and someone's passing on the highway. They text someone they know. You don't text me and tell me that you're at a bad accident on the highway, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't have to do check-ins with me. I just had to do check-ins with him, so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that same summer, Dad and I went grocery shopping and we needed groceries. I don't know what I, yeah, anyway, $300 worth of groceries in a cart. And just as we're about to check out, his pager goes off and he's like, I'm sorry, I got to go. Well, it turned out my mom and dad and my sister, like nobody was in Slave Lake that I would normally call to come and pick me up. Like there's usually always somebody you could phone. And I knew Ryan was with one of his buddies in their vehicle. And I remember phoning him saying, you need to go home and get the truck and come and pick me up. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, cause I have like bags and bags of groceries and dad left me. And it sounds like it's going to be a long call. And it took him probably a half an hour. Cause you were out of town. I think you might've been out at Price's house or something. So they had to give him a ride home. He had to go home, get the truck, then come and pick me up. And I remember just standing outside thinking, well, this is ridiculous, <laughs> but I in, mean, a, in a town of 5,800 people, exactly. or you know, 5,700 of them. <laughs> and looking True. back now, I mean, I think I probably could have called several fire spouses and they would have come and got me. But in my mind, my mom and dad were gone. My sister was gone. And the only other person I could call was Ryan. And so it took a little while standing outside. Lots of people like, are you okay? <laughs> they probably would have all gave you a ride exactly. if you would have asked. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the same, that same summer, 2011. <laughs> I still, groceries put such a wrench in things. I We now go and, and go shopping with the truck and we've had, we had a little while ago a fire, right? When, and we had 161 was down, so we had absolutely no room and everyone's trying to get their stuff on. We got a big box of groceries in the middle and it's like, this may or may not go well. <laughs> Buns are squished by the time you get exactly, done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's funny because in that, volunteer type system you have to you know that paged in system mm. everything you do it's like how could i extricate myself from this right yeah how many times you know coaching hockey in the morning and i gotta go but you stay and keep coaching your sister's team or right you know you go to a school event and you got to sit close to the door the in the edge. gym so <laughs> that when because it's bound to happen that you got to go and you know all of those things everyone looks at you yeah. Or he looks at me because you're the kid who has a dad with the pager going off in the middle of the concert. I, I remember when you started swimming and we'd be sitting in the pool and I thought, now this is the one. It's warm. It's humid. Right? 
it's you don't really have to cheer your kid on because they're underwater they can't hear you like <laughs> it's awesome you just sit in the stands and and I, I think it was like the second practice or or whatever we were at and right away my pager goes and you got to get down and then you got to run all the way around the whole college and and get to your truck and i thought yeah this isn't gonna work out <laughs> it took me five minutes to get to my truck from the bleachers right so it didn't take long to figure out an alternate route to get out faster and, and things continued on there, but kind of across the pool floor, all of a sudden, all the yeah, coaches yeah. are like, out the back door, <laughs> yeah. through the gate, boom, you're, Hey, happy birthday. Nice party in the little party mm. room there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you know, you just figure it out and, and you keep going. So there was a lot of those types of events, but, and you're right. Like people are always watching what's going on right there is nothing that raises panic more in people is to see a bunch of firefighters running out of a big room full mm -hmm. of right um how many christmas parties over the years kirsten where <laughs> you know i don't drink much so i would be 50 percent of the time at least i would be on the crew that was going to go and uh the whole on-call crew would get up and then everyone that's been drinking immediately starts to act like they haven't been in case they have to go <laughs> and uh you know it's like no you guys can't come right so all of those types of events, right? At uh, any school function, you know, there's going to be dozens of firefighters. Our Canada Day party. Our Canada Day party. <laughs> that was a, a big one that night. Yeah. You guys Hotel are so mad. Down. <laughs> I was removed from that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It just, when you think back on it, right? So, and in our life, then we've had some big events. So 2011. Right, Ryan and I talked a bit about this a few times, but uh, you guys have never been here before. So 2011, Sarah, you're like 12, 13 years old. What what are some of your, the good and the bad, the ugly stories for the big wildfire? So for me, it started, I was at a babysitting course. <laughs> and uh, day one of two days, and mom came and picked me up. And I think we went right to the fire hall. And uh, it was chaos from then on. And I know that we kind of, bickered back and forth if we were going to leave or if we weren't going to leave. Some of our family came and stopped by and grabbed Ryan's shoes and hucked them in the back of the truck and left town with his shoes and no one else because we didn't want to go. And uh, yeah, it was pretty chaotic. A big part for me is I really helped out with like the crew that was making sandwiches. I know you like this story. You always tell the story, but... I made sandwiches for the crews that were like out in the field and I made like a billion bags of sandwiches and then this, this crew came back and they took all of my bags of sandwiches and I remember going up to my dad just bawling my eyes out like I just made all these sandwiches and they're gone like what the heck you know and uh, he's like no that's what you're supposed to do you know they got to eat them that's why you made them so for me that was like a breaking point I think <laughs> but I think that was like the real start of this Oh, for me in like a, a weird way. I think that that's kind of what Freud sparked book, chapter 12. Yeah. Sparked an interest <laughs> in uh, my new career here. So, I mean, good and bad. It was crazy. Our town burnt down. It was really scary. And I think that for me as like an 11 year old, it was intense. <laughs> the, the babysitting course is funny though, cause that's part of growing up fire in a fire family. Like I knew there, the fire had the chance to threaten the town and I didn't want you to be stuck in the middle of some weird evacuation. So I called your mom and said, don't ask any questions. Don't talk to me about this. Just go and get Sarah and get her home. And I don't care. 
The, I real question, was, the real question is, did they just give you a pass after babysitting no, 400 firefighters? No, we had the second day for... of the course after the fire. All <laughs> was like back. We literally had to go back for the second day. But I remember I was like, She Mom, doesn't like, have your life, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not all firefighters. <laughs> no, I tried to hang out with like a friend or something and mom was not having it. And I was like really mad because she wouldn't even like answer me. She was just like, I'm coming to get you. And then I knew something really bad was happening when we kind of drove off and there was smoke everywhere it wasn't looking too good but yeah the start for me for sure <laughs> Kirsten was with the score on the table yeah that was it was a crazy weekend it's kind of funny because before we picked up Sarah one of the firefighters called me and said hey there's a fire call and Kim is out grocery shopping and like they're paging again and again so can you come over and watch the kids until Kim gets back. So I was like, sure. So of course I was with Ryan and he's like, well, mom, I'm coming. And I'm like, all right, whatever. This is exactly what I say. I always yeah. try to put myself in the most, yeah, exactly. most position, position to get yeah, to the yeah. fire hall. Now it's yeah. just getting clearer. <laughs> yes. So we get to Kim's house and all of a sudden Ryan's like, yeah, I'm going. And I'm like, what? Oh, like, you jumped in with Mitch? And I'm yes. in with Mitch. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean you're going? And he's like, well, they're calling more firefighters. So Mitch said I could go with them. I'll be good, mom. I'll, I'll just I'm go pretty see sure Meanwhile, Mitch was like, go talk to your mom first. And So I was like, all right, at least he's at the fire hall, right? So and Change while the I was, story a little. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. While I was at Kim's babysitting the kids, she came home and we were just starting to have a few snacks. And that's when Jamie called and said, you need to go pick up Sarah from the babysitting course and come to the fire hall. And I'm like, well, I'm at Kim's watching the kid and he's like no you need to go do this now so I remember texting Sarah and saying I'm coming to pick you up and you know then we went to the fire hall and after that honestly the rest is such a big blur I yeah. you know started answering phones at the front desk of the fire hall that Saturday and my boss from I had just started working at the town of Slave Lake I'd been there a week and when I got there my boss was there Dana and she's like can you help out and can you stay and I was like yeah so Turns out that, you know, all the firefighters, some of their wives were down there. Sarah was watching kids that afternoon because there were, you, you know, so much going on. You didn't have your certificate yet. Yeah. Well, Upstairs, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Upstairs watching kids. She could only kids do the and, first day stuff with them. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I wasn't and, really alone. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then, you know, Saturday kind of happened. We got to go home and Sunday we started the day exactly the same way. I think every one of us went down to the hall. I don't... I don't think you actually came home, but me and Ryan and Sarah all went back to the hall first thing in the morning and just did whatever needed to be done. You know, still answered phones. We took a tour and then... Yeah, I remember sleeping upstairs in the fire hall in like one of those little cots. That was yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember your burnt cat? Uh, yeah, I was just going to... I do remember the burnt cat and there was a Rottweiler that was like literally the nicest Moose. dog ever, ever. I don't know whose dog that is, but damn, you got a nice dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the rest was kind of history. One thing I do remember about that week, and I say week because I don't know what day it happened, but it was before Wednesday, is one night we were there late always, of course, and it was time to, I was trying to get Sarah to come to bed and we had, you know, we were trying to go wherever to get some sleep. I can't even remember where we would have been going. And she's like, I can't leave yet because one of the firefighters from Calgary asked me to cut up some watermelon for when they got back at midnight because their shift ended and they wanted watermelon. So we have to wait for them to come back before I can leave. And I'm like, seriously, just cut the watermelon and let's like, just, they'll get it. Nope. I need to wait. This guy asked me to cut watermelons. 
okay. So yeah. we kind of well, waited. Good call, and- Sarah, because definitely the rest of us would have eaten it. You <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> she was protecting so this watermelon. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a crazy week. And- it, it's all part of that crazy growing up fire, being a fire family, you know, needing to know where your people are and, and wanting them. You know, most people, I guess, I'll call them normal people wouldn't want their family in the middle of a fire hall in the middle of a fire when their town's on fire and but for me there was no greater everyone kept saying oh we're gonna go we're gonna go and then you finally you guys called me and said look we're not going we're just staying at the fire hall and we're doing our thing and i remember just a flood of relief knowing that like the fire hall is the alamo where the fire hall's not burning down no matter what and so you know that my family was probably in the safest most controlled space that i could put you guys in right and i think there's a lot of times we could think of dozens of stories where you know you had to leave early or you weren't allowed to go somewhere because i know more than you know about uh you know Our what's life. going on but uh, I mean... well, about the world right like what, what's <laughs> happening as far as floods or fires or what what's threatening or not threatening. And as a kid, you don't care, but as the fire chief, you always had the opportunity to know a little bit more than everybody else. And, and uh, for all the firefighters, that was, you know, one of my mantras that I would always say is, you know, take care of your family because you guys can't do your job unless you know what's going on with your family. I think that was the first time that I ever, I always heard these stories about mom hitting her wits end and her point of, and I never really saw it or I never remember seeing it. And that was the first time I saw it. And I was like, she is the boss. Like dad always acts like the boss, but like she is the boss. And it was after that helicopter crash. That kind oh, of way. Don't bring that up. That's here. what kind of ended the whole, uh, the whole, we were all there for a week. And I remember coming back and it was unfortunate, obviously. And uh, it was a fatality, but our crew was just the closest one. And it wasn't that, you know, I needed to be there or anything. It was just, we were the closest ones there. And I remember coming back and, a whole sequence of events. I don't even know if we talked about this on a previous one or not, but a whole sequence of events happened. And I remember coming back and dad was sitting on the docks and he uh, gave his boots to one of the guys that was in the water and had to go to the hospital just so he had something to sit in or something to walk in. And dad was sitting there in his uniform or whatever he's wearing that day, no boots on. And you could immediately tell that he was like, oh shit, I'm probably in trouble. But we talked about it for a minute while he's on the dock. And then I got a ride back with someone. I honestly can't even remember. I feel like maybe an ambulance or something gave me a ride back to town. And I remember coming in and there was already a Red Cross team there and a big debrief. And me and mom had to go sit in this debrief. And I remember kind of telling the whole story and they asked some questions back and forth and everyone's like, okay, well, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, can I go back to work now? And she's like, I'm staying here. And she definitely was talked to them for a little while longer. And I remember going back downstairs and cleaning up. And I remember when she came down and dad got back, it was kind of like the awkwardness. Everyone was like, Ooh, I don't know who to look at. And then there was like a meeting in behind closed doors and that night we went to Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's word finally meant there something. There wasn't a meeting. There was just yeah. her, her telling me and me. Yeah. Doing. <laughs> I didn't put my foot down very often, but that that was definitely one of them. I actually was at the college when that call came in because we were doing, I mean, that's where all the headquarters was at that time. And of course, me working for the town, that's where I was located. And yeah, I remember the ambulance leaving because they were based out of there and like, two or three of them left and lights and sirens right from the parking lot. So I knew something bad happened. And honestly, within about 15 minutes of that Ryan text, 
No, he called me and told me where he was. So really, you were the one who blew it because you phoned me and then I broke down. So I put my foot down because you actually told me. Stitches get stitches, bro. (laughs) I mean, at 15 or 16 years, 15 years old, I get that you called me and, but I don't think dad was there yet. Right? Like, I think he was probably on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know where you were. Yeah. We were there super fast. So it it all seemed like it was really quick. Right. Like, yeah. 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 And you know what? Maybe it was seconds or whatever, but it wasn't too much longer after that. I I left. I actually was very upset, obviously. Dana, I said to her, I got to go. And she's like, where are you going to go? Like, you're not even allowed to drive around town. I'm like, I don't know, but I got to go. And she's like, I don't think you're in any shape to drive. So I said, well, I need to leave. So she actually drove me. And the only place that was comfort, of course, was the fire hall. But I remember walking in and saying to Len McCharles, you promised me that Ryan would be okay. And he's not okay. Poor Len's just like, oh. (laughs) Fire ninja just... Yeah. Need some magic here. <laughs> he did need magic. And thank goodness, the uh, ladies from, I think they were actually from Samaritan's Purse. Mm-hmm. They actually took me right away and kind of calmed me down. And then when you walked in, Len went right over to you and said, Brian, you need to go with your mom and you need to talk to these ladies. And I was so mad. I remember talking to them for a long time. I remember your story. Like, your story was not what I thought your story was. It was completely different. You were there to help save somebody. Even though in my mind, that's not what happened. You know, it was very different. And I realized afterwards, as we were talking to the ladies, you didn't need the help. I needed the help. (laughs) So I definitely stayed and talked to those wonderful people. But you're right. I remember walking downstairs and walking right to dad and saying, we need to go. We need to leave today. And he, you, you guys were both like, no, we're okay. I'm like, no, we're leaving tonight. We're going, I don't care where we're going. And we did. We went to Sherwood Park. It was probably Park. a good decision, honestly, yeah. well, looking back yeah. at it now. We only left for like 36 was, hours. It actually right. turned out, the reason, your mom's staring at me, so this is difficult, <laughs> but the reason we actually went was because all the firefighters needed to take yeah. a break. And, and so I just said, you like, to... if I go first, no one will have any excuses when we come back in two days. Like, mm-hmm. And so it was kind of one of those. But it's funny, and this is growing up fire. You're hearing all these different perspectives, how it goes, right? For me, it was way different. You know, we went out there. I didn't think for in a million years that Ryan would be on the site because Ryan was with a crew that wasn't really supposed to be around there. And he was with Captain Turnbull, who I trust, obviously, with my son's life. And there was just, I wasn't worried about it. And then I took a bunch of paramedics in one of our rescue trucks and we got out there and you're in the middle of doing everything. And then I look over and there's Ryan standing there and I'm like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Right? Like, you're not supposed to be here. And then... Kirsten, you don't remember this, but you phoned me 35 (laughs) times in a row. And I remember I was with Paul Mulholland and Ryan. And I said, Paul, you got to take Ryan and take him back up to the road. And we're waiting for the ambulance to clear out of here. And then I'll come and get him. And I finally answered the phone and mom says to me, where's my son? Like you know, it's bad yeah. when it's like my third time ever that it was, you know, usually it's like, you know what your son did? You know where your son is? You know who your son fought? So I was like, when she said, where's my son? I was like, oh, we're dead. We're dead. So we got back and, and you guys had to go up to the, so it was with Roy Langer from Salvation Army. And uh, oh, okay. he was doing the debrief and, and Len and I are sitting downstairs and Len's like, ah, I think Kirsten's pretty worked up. You know, he's trying to kind of get me ready for what's going to happen later. And, and uh, Ryan comes walking down and it's like five minutes after they went upstairs and Len's like, Ryan, I told you, you got to go up there with your mom. And I'm trying to stay out of it because Len's the the daytime boss, right? And, and Ryan says, uh, 
I went up there. I did what I had to do. I told my story. Now put me with my crew or send me home. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> put him with his crew or send him home. Let's go. <laughs> and his crew was out in the parking lot. So he jumped in with them and gone to work. And 45 minutes later, Kirsten came down, still upset, obviously. And, and then Roy came down and told me that she was upset as if I couldn't tell. And uh, we decided that we would start to rotate. That was day seven. So, you know, between the helicopter pilot, Jean-Luc Dubois, Diane, and all the things that happened around that call, it was just time for a break. So we took off to the city. I think we were only gone for like 36 hours, Two though. Two nights. Yeah. Was it? I, I actually remember being gone, and I that's I hated being gone more than anything because it was so weird mm. out in the real world you know every their town didn't burn down and everyone's awesome. asking you questions and i remember i went and bought a belt because i had no clothes and the girl was crying and she went and got the manager and they gave me 50 percent off and i was like my house didn't burn down like i'm i'm good i could pay full freight like <laughs> and, and they're crying and I'm trying to just get this belt and get away from all these emotions because obviously when you're worried about seeing people from Slave Lake too, right? Like yeah. just, yeah. It's... We actually hid. We yeah. really did hide. We went to Sherwood Park yeah. and said. Well, we finally had lunch with some of our good friends there. And and uh, I think someone from Slave bought us lunch even. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Ryan and I took off and you guys went to Elk Point. And that was the first time we split up during that fire. Yeah. But uh, when Ryan and I got back and you break into the bubble, you're just like, wow, this is where we got to be, right? You're just built for for being in the middle of that, not being on the outside. Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy times. Crazy. Crazy times. And then you guys didn't have to finish that year in school, so that was good. I was going to say, I don't know if I took another day off that whole summer. We were just opening packages every day yeah. and <laughs> fixing equipment. and Christmas in July. Yeah. yeah. But it was good. I mean, for me... Every time I came back to the fire hall, you guys were there, right? Your mom was answering the phone or, right? You were helping out with the kitten with the burnt paws and moose, the Rottweiler and sandwiches and, you know, just being around, just being you guys and Ryan and Dalton were cruising around in the early days trying to do a bunch of work. And then later on, Ryan just joined a crew. And even to this day, when we go and we hook up with our friends from Calgary and stuff, they talk about Ryan being 15 years old, being on a truck out there showing the city firefighters where to where to go and some of the wildland stuff that happens there so it's kind of neat I, stuff right like i remember uh sunday night must have been late sunday night maybe even monday of the fire mark fitzma came up to me and said how does ryan know so much about the fire hall how long has he been a volunteer firefighter and i'm like he's not they're <laughs> like Oh, uh, okay. But I said he does know where everything is because he spends a lot of time here. <laughs> but in reality, growing up fire. Absolutely. Right? Both of these kids could tell you where everything is, especially when it comes to cleaning, eh, Sarah? Mm -hmm. Clean, <laughs> vacuumed, scrubbed a lot of fire trucks and floors and, and stuff. You know, our family put a lot into this over the years. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. So now we get to this place where Ryan's a lieutenant in Slave Lake. I'm gone from Slave Lake now. Kirsten, you and I are working for Seahawk is doing consulting with fire departments across the country. Sarah is a student with Nate in disaster and emergency management. So, you know, it's kind of come full circle where I think I knew Ryan would, if he didn't play hockey, this would be when he was done that career, he'd start this. I would have never thought you two girls would be in on this, like in any way at any level. I would have bet a million dollars that you would help us out at any time with anything that's going on, but that you would actually be immersed in this world and be excited about it and talking about it. So like, let's talk about that change for a minute. Well, for me, I think being part of the town, 
I got to be part of an ECC and get trained on some of that stuff. You know, I did my ICS 1 to 400. I am the health and safety officer for the ECC if it comes about. And then last year, I found when the fires in high level came through, I got to be part of the ESS side of it and the evacuation center and really see all sides of it. And that actually, you know, I've always been intrigued with all of that. And I know that I enjoy helping people and I want to be a part of it, whether it's helping the fire department or people who had been evacuated. And that definitely was a turning point. And then starting to work on the fire department evaluations with you is, you know, it's just a different side of it. And I, I mean, for me, it kind of all came together really over the last, I would say, two or three years. It's really come to a different side of it for me. So I'm it's cool. I think the craziest part is like we think we talked with Patrick on the last one of the last episodes about all the craziness that happened and all the experience we got. And like for her, it's the exact same. She just got to be in the EOC or ECC all the time, right? Like this place has had some absolute craziness over the last 10 years. We look, you know, in May, it's going to be 10 years since the fire. And I can think of probably 10 to 20 different incidents that were absolutely crazy from train crashes to flooding to seems like every year uh, fires, you know, like just craziness, hazardous material leaks downtown where ECCs got opened. And, you know, that's all experience for her too. Like, it's not like these places where it's like, oh, well, you know, once 10 years ago, our ECC opened and I got this little (laughs) bit of experience and it was super cool, right? Like she probably got a lot of experience. Here you can have a barbecue if it's closed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So. I feel like that's probably like getting that that high acuity of events too, right? Is another thing that lots of people are like see ECCs as a burden, and I think it's something that we do really well here because we get to actually lots, do it. Lots of lots. Right? I think that that played into like my career path as well, just because like I worked at this MD for the summer, and there was like flooding, so I really like jumped onto that. I was like scripting, and we were kind of opened our own center, and there's been like multiple different occasions that even like me like I've helped out with and I think that that's really what made me want to go into this program at Nate so I definitely it's kind of funny that you guys bring those up like that flood two summers ago when Martin Beach flooded it was kind of role reversal because you're working at the office and the ECC Mm -hmm. and Ryan's at the site and I'm not I'm not working for the fire department in this consulting role so I'm phoning Ryan. I'm texting you. I'm like, hey, what's going on? You guys need any help? Like, what, you know? It's like, it was the first time since I was 18 years old that I can remember that I didn't know everything that was going on. I wasn't on the inner circle. And and there's my two kids right in the middle of the inner circle still. Proud moment, but also one of those like, hey, what happened here? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm calling you guys to ask you what's going on and what's happening. So... And those are the moments that like make me kind of laugh at how it all turned out. Because if we flip back the page to like the very start of this for me, I would never, I would have never like put the foot down, roll the eyes every time we pulled up to the fire hall. I loved them, but I hated it there. <laughs> and I was never going to be a part of the fire team. And here I am, first semester down, and I'm rocking and rolling, and I'm part of it now. And like, there's no way you could kick me out. it's It's just crazy how it flips yeah and I think it really came with growing up fire like if I didn't have all the experience and all of those people and all of those things kind of pursuing my life 
I don't think I would get here. So, well, and it's funny now because I was saying to you the other day, let's go to SEMA and we'll visit my friend Sue. And yeah, and uh, and you're like, yeah, let's do it. Look, like, let's pick a day, let's get there. And I was just like, man, a year ago, if I would have said, let's go to SEMA and visit my friend Sue, you'd have been like, eye rolling, <laughs> thinking of every excuse in the book. Yeah. And now you're just like bugging me. When are we doing this? Let's get there. Right. So that'll be fun to, to go there and, yeah, it's and see all that and crazy. see what's going on. And I'm definitely excited to pick up and start out. So one thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is just like characters. So we've met, right. We're, we're a fire family. We have been our entire time together and and we've met some of the greatest people on planet earth just larger than life characters and and it's hard to name too many names because then everyone will be all butthurt that we didn't name them right but you know like we're still really good friends with danny freeman who helped kind of get the fire truck fixed up after the fire and and he'll be in future episodes and everyone can meet him you know ken skull uncle ken to you guys he was just on here not that long ago you know just that great guy in our lives. So for you guys, like who are some of your larger than life, you know, wouldn't be the same. I guess one more shout out for me, Larry Battenfelder. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I still, you know, I think of that guy all the time. He was just always there three o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, shift worker guy. Right. It was a super sad day when he passed away and I still can go to the fire hall and there's still things in the fire hall years after he's been gone that remind me of him things that he built mm -hmm. um you know the teflon shelf in the car wash bay he built that at the mill and brought it down for us so it wouldn't rot and get wrecked and there's just so many of those things i guess all the guys that passed away john daryl larry but how about for you guys who's who sticks out so for me it would be probably like the the most recent fire smart guys I think just because I was like the closest with them, like they're all like literally brothers to me. So that's like Patrick, Adam, Thomas, Tyler, Logan, those guys are like, you know, I could call them still yeah. all of them and they would pick up the phone and come and answer. So I think for me, those are probably like the biggest ones that are still people that I have in my life. And I can't imagine my life not having them in them. So there you go. Nice. For me, you know, two people that stick out in my mind at the fire hall are Terry Tonsi and Bruce Turnbull. And I guess maybe for many reasons, like Terry was on right from the time or shortly after you started, he started. And I think of him mostly because I remember actually one time us out camping and having a really bad call and me actually helping you was, you know, somebody got hurt while we were out in Martin Beach and had to call the ambulance and the kids were little and it was a bad call. And I don't know what the hell I thought I was going to do, but I was sure I was going to save the guy. And I was running across gravel with bare feet. And anyway, I remember the fire truck pulling up and Terry Tonsi jumping out. And the minute I saw him, it was straight relief. I just sat down and cried because I was so happy that I didn't actually have to do anything. And that kind of sticks in my mind. And I remember after that call a long time, every time he saw me, he would make sure, you know, are you doing okay? How, you know, he was always there to make sure that that mental side of things was okay. So that really sticks out for me at the fire department. And then Bruce Turnbull, because he, I feel like he took both our kids under his wings in many ways. You know, he was always there looking out for Ryan at the fire department, but he did at the school as well. And that was huge, <laughs> right? So those are two, you know, that I really think of that are big. And then, I mean, fire-wise, 2011, Danny Freeman will stick out in my mind forever and will always be a piece of our lives no matter where we are. 
Yeah, those are some good ones for sure. I think for me, probably my biggest ones are, are obviously, you know, the crews that I got to work with in the 2011 fire. There was, you know, Ironside, I think. Yeah. The captain that was on our crew from Calgary. You know, these guys that just some dweeby little 15 year old kid that didn't have to be a part of anything and they could have easily told me to pound sand that they weren't taking me that you know gave me a shot and i think still to this day as i work my way up the ladder i always remember those things and try to give people the same shot no matter who you are right and give i think everyone deserves a chance to prove themselves and you know that's what makes or breaks you in this career all the captains when i first started carlton the good the bad the ugly Carl Hill, Terry Tauncey, Bruce Turnbull, right? Danny Schmode, like all those guys that that were there, they all had their good, bad, and ugly. But, you know, as I move into officer roles and, and continue my progression in the fire service, I always try to think of those guys. Danny Freeman, another one. You know, I got to spend a couple tours with them and go on some ride-alongs. I always try to take the best out of everyone and also remember the worst out of everyone and try to, you know, form my own kind of sure. way of becoming who I am by learning from all those guys. Growing right? up fun. <laughs> you just summed yeah. it all up there, right? And I mean, every name you throw out there just makes you think of, you know, Jim Meldrum, Len McSarrow, yeah, exactly. the, you know, then all the guys on the East Coast, right? Martin Bell, yeah. Paul Maynard, Mike Lockett. Hillard, Daniel. I, I mean, you could go on and on forever and, and not get them all right. And so that's this, the problem with starting to name names is there. We've really been blessed to have so many amazing people in our lives. And, you know, it doesn't always turn out perfect. But like Ryan says, with the good, the bad, the ugly comes all of these life lessons and all of these things. And, and for every one that maybe turned ugly, there was lots of good times before that too, right? So yeah. it's all part of this you know, growing up fire and, and moving things ahead. So what's next for the Coots clan? What's uh, last, any final words? What's going on, Sarah? We'll see. I got to get through school. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after that, I, I don't know yet. So stay tuned. All right. Nice. Kirsten? I just look forward to doing lots of work with fire departments with you and continue to do the consulting and really helping fire departments do things better. So I look forward to that next chapter. It's been fun. I don't know what's next for me. I've been saying I don't know for a long time. I'm just finishing up my EMT program on my final practicum right now. And it's funny, I remember graduating high school and being like, I am never going back to school. But I find myself, you sit there for so long and you don't take any courses and you're like, I got to go do something. And I'm terrified for what that means for me for the rest of my life because I start school and I'm like, why did I do this? But, you know, just always being willing to learn and always wanting to progress my career further and being able to help more people. But, is, and if Orlando or New York or some yeah. fire department in Hawaii is looking for a, yeah. a PCP <laughs> firefighter, you know, give you a call, I guess. Yeah. Is that the... Yeah. If anyone from Orlando is listening, I definitely... <laughs> you're on the top of my list. <laughs> Right on. Good stuff. Well, for me, I I just excited to have you guys. Uh, excited to talk about all this. Excited about the life we've had. I know it's been tough sometimes, but most of the time we get through it and big smiles, lots of friends and keep it going. So uh, we'll do a check-in uh, again. I will say one thing is that I, no matter what you had to leave for or what the occasion was, I would never, ever want to change any of the way that, like, I grew up or the people that I got to meet. And I think that everything we kind of went through led us to where we are now. And I think it's pretty cool. And I'm pretty proud to be a part of this family and what you guys are doing. So <laughs> <This bump. laughs> with that being said, 
This that's is awesome. It. That's it, folks. We're going to leave it right there. That's a, a good collection of all the things it's like to be growing up fire in the Coots clan. So episode seven, Growing Up Fire. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us and talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.